As we dive into our part six, Summer in Rome, we're going to be looking at chapters 13 and 14 of Romans, and we're going to be talking today about what we don't talk about. We don't talk about it. All right, we're going to talk about what we don't talk about. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to talk about what we shouldn't talk about. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you need to listen to what he's about to say. You see, the thing is, you know, we have this like list of things that we shouldn't talk about. Anybody ever had that friend who you like, you can't bring anywhere because you have no idea what they're going to say, what they're going to do. They could say anything anywhere at any time to anyone. Like they walk into a room and they're like, there could be 30 people in the room be like, dude, I have this growth on my side right here. Do you want to see it? And you're like that, dude, no, we don't, we don't say that. Why would you bring that up right now? You know, or they'll make a comment, bro, my back hair right now is just like itching. You're like, dude, why would you say that? Now, I'm not going to lie. Some of y'all, you might be that person. And and I'm sorry if you are. I'm going to be honest with you. I was that person for a long time. Like I had zero social awareness when it came to walking into rooms. I could be standing in a room with billionaires, presidents, CEOs, and I'd walk in and I'd talk about how my toes are itching and they smell funny. Like I was that person. Now, thank goodness for a lot of patience from a lot of people in my life and a lot of love. I grew out of that, but that doesn't mean I don't have my nice embarrassing stories about things that I said. One of them, when I was an intern here at Household of Faith, we went to a uh, retreat with all the other interns and a couple of the pastors came and we brought in a world-renowned missionary. He came in and this man spoke in every single continent in the world except for Antarctica. He has been everywhere. He rubbed elbows with some very, very influential people and he was talking to our pastors. He shared an amazing word, a word that I still remember to this day. And he was going back and forth with, with my pastor at the time and he was talking with him about just life and ministry. And I walk up no warning, in the middle of my pastor talking, I slap the missionary on the back and say, where do I know you from? <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all know bright-eyed, 23-year-old doing that? He looked at me like, this dude's been hitting too much holy water. I don't know what's wrong with him. My pastor looked at me mortified like, I cannot believe you just said that. And this is me with zero social awareness. I asked him the question again. Like, couldn't read the room. You could have cut that tension. You ever in a room when somebody says something and the whole room just goes silent? That's what happened. The room just went dead, and I kept asking him. And he's like, dude, I have no idea who you are. And I'm, okay, cool. I took my embarrassments. But it got so bad in my life, I actually had to Google things not to say in conversation. I don't know if your life ever got that bad, but mine did. I had to like, okay, I got to know what you do and don't say in conversation. These are some of the top search results in Google of what not to say in conversation. Here's the first one. Never ask someone their age. Hello. Never ask someone their age, especially if you're talking to a lady. I have a philosophy in my life. If, if a lady ever asks me, well, how old do you think I am? First off, that question's a trap. Okay, that's first. And second, I think about what age I think they are, then I subtract five, and then another five just to be safe. All right, because you, you gotta be smart. You gotta outsmart this. Second one is this, never ask somebody if they're pregnant. <laughs> That's a big one right there, especially if it's a guy. Like if you walk up to me like, dude, you, you, you expect to no, know, but never ask if they're pregnant. Here's another one. Never talk to them about their weight. Yeah, at all. Never ask them if they've lost weight. Never talk to anybody about it. Not just women, but never talk to anybody about it. Here's the next one. Joking at the expense of somebody else, especially if it's the person you're talking to. Bro, you ever notice your head shaped like a sweet potato? Like, come on, turn to the left, look at that. His head shaped like a sweet potato. Bro, if you shaved it, we could plant you. It'd be awesome. Never talk about that. Here's the last thing. Suggesting people could lose weight or get fit by following your advice without them asking. Yeah, 
Bro, I tell you what, you could lose that belly real quick. You just drink 10 glasses of water a day and follow my diet plan and exercise and run eight miles. Don't talk about it. Why? We, we, we don't talk about that. You know, y'all ever heard the old adage? I mean, I know if you're, if you're like me, when I first got into the workforce, the first thing that I was told was there's two things we don't talk about here. And y'all know what they are. We don't talk about politics and religion. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Here's the problem with it, though. Here's the problem. God does talk about it. Matter of fact, in the first seven verses of Romans 13, God talks about government authority. He talks about paying taxes and he talks about capital punishment. Those are some pretty heavy conversations to have anywhere, right? If you busted into a room and you started talking about government authority paying taxes and the death penalty, you, you're probably gonna be arguing with somebody in about five minutes and it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be a knockdown, drag out brawl. Why? Because those are just things that we don't normally wanna talk about. And you might be saying, well, I thought you said don't talk about them. Here's the thing, God does talk about them. And we gotta remember that God doesn't talk about them from our perspective. He doesn't talk to them from an earthly perspective. God doesn't have that. God has a kingdom perspective. God has a heavenly perspective. And he approaches those subjects, not as us, but as him. And if we see things the way that he sees them, if we see our view through his view, then it will help us to understand how God wants us to do these things. It says in Isaiah 55, eight, my thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Now, what he doesn't say there, he doesn't say that we can't have thoughts. He doesn't say I'm restricting your thoughts. He doesn't say I'm censoring your thoughts. He says that my thoughts are not like your thoughts. We just have to understand God's point of view. Because remember, he has a different point of view than all of us. We, we talked about the things that we shouldn't say. So now I want to talk about the things that God says we should say. What should I talk about? What does God want me to talk about that's especially hard to talk about in this day and age? And I can't wait to dive into that today. Let's pray and let's believe that God's going to touch lives today. God, we thank you so much that we get a chance to understand your word today. God, open up our hearts and minds and help us to understand what you want us to do, how you want us to treat others. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the first thing that God does want us to talk about. God wants us to talk about honoring authority. I know when I said that, immediately some of y'all just tensed up like, oh, where's he going with this? Romans 13:1 says this, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. I'm not gonna lie, this can be very challenging, especially for me, it can be challenging for us. It can be very challenging because we all have different ideas of how we think people are supposed to govern, how authority is supposed to act. We have different ideas and opinions about the way people in positions are supposed to make decisions, how they're supposed to do things. We all have that. But here's, what, so here's the good thing. Even though we might not believe everything that they believe, even though we might not do everything that the people that we voted for do, God takes a different position on authority here. Once again, remember, he's not viewing it through our eyes, he's viewing it through the eyes of the kingdom. You see, here's what God knew. God knew sometimes we would agree and sometimes we would disagree with the people in office, but it wasn't as important that you respect the person that's in a political office. He wanted you to respect the position even more. You see, what God realized is, it's not a view of, do I agree with that person? God wants us to understand that it's, will I honor that person? Will I honor that position? You see, it's not that God doesn't care about the person that's in office, he cares about them. 
but he cares more about that position and he cares more about how we honor it and how we treat it. Because here's the thing about honor, in the big picture, the position matters more than the person. The position in that government is gonna be there long after that person is gone. That's why God says it's so important to honor it because if you don't honor it when a certain person is in there, then you've set the example of how you should honor it and for the next person that's gonna be in there. You see, God understood this, that when we dishonor a position of authority, we dishonor a part of God's kingdom. You see, there's an order that God has of honor, and he has it with civil authority, he has it with government authority, he has it with spiritual authority. He wants us to honor those who have been placed there because God placed them there for a reason. You might be asking, why is that important? Why is it important that I honor that position of authority? Why is it important that I honor where that place is, who that person is, especially when I don't agree with them? Come on, in the last 18 months, I'm pretty sure you have been told some stuff by the government that you did not agree with. I know I have. There were things the government asked me to do, I did not want to do them. There are places the government wanted me to go, I did not want to go there. Like, there are things that I wanted to do and the government said, no, I don't do that right now. It was the hardest thing to honor them, why? Because I, I wanted to do my thing. I wanted to go out, I wanted to see this, I wanted to live my life. But God says it's important to honor that position of authority because when we don't honor that authority, we give in to rebellion. You see, the opposite of authority is rebellion. Come on, how many of y'all love people that are rebellious? How many of y'all love the people, I'm not doing what they say, I tell you what. You know, like they live their life like that. Anybody know anyone that lives their life like that? Like I'm never, I'm not on their radar, they're not gonna get me. Like, I'm gonna live my way regardless of what the man says. Like, we, we have people in our life like that, and that sounds great, but when we let that into our life, you know what it begins to do? It begins to poison our attitudes, poison our character, poison our lives. You know, when I was uh, 19 years old, I, I worked at a movie theater, and I really, really loved my job. I loved working in the movie theaters. I honestly wanted to do it for a long time because I had friends who worked there with me, and I had people that were in management that wanted to move me up. Like, I really loved that job, but the problem was, I was the most stereotypical 19-year-old you have ever met in your life. Like, it was bad, y'all. I, I thought I knew every single thing under the sun. I didn't just think I knew it, I wanted everybody to know that I knew it. All right, I was a walking smartphone with Wikipedia before there were smartphones with Wikipedia. You could ask me anything, I probably didn't know it, I'd probably lie to you, but pretend and have the confidence. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Anybody know anyone like that? Were you that person when you were younger? Because I was. It was bad. So I'm working at my job, and, and I, I, I was in charge of a crew of cleaning people. We called them ushers. And so I'm working with this group of ushers and we're taking care of the theater, but over the course of time, the management team had really kind of let our standards kind of fall back. Like we didn't clean as well as we should have. We didn't train new people. Our management was, let's just say, not as motivated to work as I would have liked as a 19 year old. So we're cleaning and we're doing our job. We're cleaning up a mess. All of a sudden we get a call on the radio that says, hey, why don't y'all stop cleaning that mess? Go to this next theater. We need you to clean this mess. Now that sounds great, but here's the problem. We had left like five theaters like that. We just kept leaving messes, leaving messes, leaving messes, going to the next mess. So me and my 19-year-old self, guess what I did? I threw my broom and dustpan down and said, no, we're not leaving. And as a matter of fact, we're staying here and we're gonna clean this whole thing. Well, my manager looks at me and he says, why, why would you wanna stay? Come on, we gotta go. And I'm like, no, and let me tell you something. Come on, every good conversation starts with, let me tell you something. So I tell him, let me tell you something, our standards suck at this theater. 
And you, you and the team are doing a terrible job. You never train anyone? Well, my manager, come on, you know that managers love it when you tell them how much they stink. They love it when you tell them everything that's wrong with them. They love it when you sit there and go back and forth with them. You never take coaching, but you're incredible at giving coaching. They love the conversation that I have when we went back and forth for an hour, screaming at each other in a movie theater. The rest of our usher crew, they were all standing in the corner like, I don't know what to do right now. We're just gonna keep cleaning because these two guys are yelling at each other. We yelled at each other for an hour. I told him he stinks. He told me I don't listen. Back and forth, back and forth. Conversation ends and two weeks later, I got fired. I know, shocking, right? Like, what, you? Why would you get fired? I know, I got fired. So, but here's the kicker. Two months later, the entire management team at that theater got fired, every single one of them. And I knew some people that still worked there and they said the management team got fired because get this, their standards stunk, they weren't training anybody, and they were very lazy. Now me and my now 20 year old self, man, I felt vindicated at the time. Like, yeah, I was right. Told y'all, come on, as I'm sitting there filing for unemployment, looking to eat my cup of ramen noodles, like, yeah, I, I was right. I could, have, I could have lived my life like that. That's how I lived for a little while. But that's not the lesson that God wanted me to take from that. That's not what God wanted me to know from that situation. You see, God, God reminded me of this because I got saved just a short time later. And I was still hanging on to that. God told me, hey, it's not that what you said was wrong. It's that you disrespected the authority when the way you said it and how you said it. You see, if you would have gone to them and talked with them, it might have gone over better. You probably wouldn't be fired. But the way you went about it was nothing but rebellious. And the authority, they didn't want that. Here's the thing, whenever we give in to the dangers of rebellion, when we allow rebellion to grow in our hearts, it can do three things. It can feed our pride. I left that theater and when they got fired, I was the most prideful person you ever met. Like what? I was right, yeah. Second thing, it can fuel our critical attitudes. Guess what I was at my next job? I was even more critical of management because I thought I knew better. And then the third thing you do, it can force us to reject God's principles. You know what I realized after I got saved? That I would never be able to share Jesus with any of those people with the way that I was acting. It could fuel my critical attitudes. Tell me if this verse sounds like me. Psalm 37, 37 through eight. Look at those who are honest or good for a wonderful future, future awaits those who love peace. I didn't love peace, I wanted war. Here's the next part. But the rebellious will be destroyed and they have no future. My rebellion got me destroyed at my job. I got in trouble, I got fired. It got me removed from the place that I was in. Why? Because I wasn't looking to make peace. I wanted to start a fight. I wanted to rebel. And when we allow authority in our life to be disrespected, when we allow authority to be constantly rebelled against, guess what it does? It fuels that inside of us. And it doesn't just fuel it inside of us, it sets the example for the next generation behind us. Because they see how we're reacting to authority. They see how we're treating them and they think, okay, it's okay to do that because you're doing that. How do we honor authority? We do talk about it. We talk about how we should respect the position even when we don't agree with the position. Why? Because we wanna set that example for the next generation. We wanna set that example for the people we work with. We wanna be able to share Jesus with people by showing them that even though I don't agree with that person, even though I didn't vote for that person, I'm still gonna honor the position they're in because that's what God says I need to do. You know, the next thing that we should do, that we should, well, God wants us to talk about, God wants us to talk about the importance of loving all people. He wants to talk to us about the importance of loving all people. 
Romans 13, 8 says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. All right, here's what I want to do for this point. I want to take a step back. Do I have any football fans in the room? Like, you know, football, like we, we, they had the sky cam and I love the sky cam after the play because they zoom out and they show you the entire field, right? And then the guy who's commentating, he pulls out the marker and he starts drawing the coverage and he makes you understand what just happened. You know, if you saw an incredible play by the offense, he'll show you how the blockers did their thing. If it was an incredible play by the defense, he'll show you how the linemen tricked them. I wanna do that for a second. I wanna take zoom out and take a God's eye view of how God says that we're supposed to love people. Isaiah 43.1 says this, I have called you by name. So here's the first thing about this, God called you by name. God knows who you are. Everybody point to me and say, God knows me. God knows who you are. God knows your name. He cares about you that much. The second thing is this in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us ahead of time to do. So God knows first who you are. He knows you and he knows what you were created to do. God calls us by name and he knows where we're needed and what we're needed to do. Come on, both of them are unique and personal. Like your name is your name. Even though other people might share the similar name, even though other people might spell it the same, your name is your name, you are you. And here's the thing, your need, the thing God created you for, that's unique to you as well. Come on, sometimes we wanna go where everybody knows our name, right? Like, y'all know the song, sometimes we wanna go wherever, like you know the song, I'm talking about. who, any Cheers fans? Yeah, all right, there we go. I had about eight people. It just shows you how much younger the congregation is getting because we don't remember that song. Here's the thing that God knows. He knows your name. Everybody wants somebody who knows their name. God knows your name, and he knows the needs that you meet. Both of those are unique and personal, but here's the thing that also means. God knows who you are and what you were meant to do, which means he knows who you are and what you are meant not to do. God knows what you're designed for and God knows what you're not designed for. Example, my name is Jonathan and my need is to communicate the love of Jesus Christ. That's my name, that's my need. Watch this, my name is not the Holy Spirit. My name is not to, my need is not to convict and judge and look at people and look down on them and talk about them because I don't agree with what they're doing. That's not my need. God did not create me for that. Thank goodness there's a Holy Spirit who judges and convicts and helps people. That's not what I was created for. You know what else? I wasn't created to sing, believe it or not. Like you heard me singing that song just now, I was not created to sing, believe it or not. There are people that are. Thank goodness for Candace and Raina and so many other people who can get up here and lead worship because I can tell you right now, you do not want me up here leading worship. Y'all heard me here singing the cheer song and I saw some of you starting to cringe like, oh, I hope he doesn't say another word, please stop. The worst church service I was ever a part of in my entire life was the first kids camp that I ever did and I was in charge of setting up the sound system. So that was the first mistake. I had no idea what I was doing and I set up a sound system. Here was the second mistake. The worship leader couldn't be there that day. And this is back when we actually sung the songs in the kids ministry. So guess who the microphone passed to? Here you go kids pastor. Get up there and lead these kids. Now they're kids, so usually kids would be forgiving, right? Like, you know, they kind of be like, we appreciate your effort. Like, kids can sometimes be, you know, good job, you tried. You would think that. But I got up there to lead, and it was bad, y'all. I'm pretty sure ears were bleeding. I'm pretty sure kids had PTSD about it. Like, when I got on the stage after that, for the next few months, they're all like, what's he about to do? Is he about to sing? 
It was bad. I'm pretty sure I heard God speaking to me during it saying, dude, be quiet, be still. You're not making a joyful noise. It was bad and it was embarrassing, but that's the thing. My name is Jonathan. My need is to communicate the love of Jesus to people, not to sing. You were created and you have a need that is different than everybody else. You were not created for something that you were not created for. I know that sounds confusing, but God created you for something specific. God knows your name. And here's the thing, he wants you to not, he wants you to not play the role of convicting and judging others. He wants you to play the role that he designed you for. He wants you to have love for others. You know, when you read the scriptures, the word love that he uses in that text of Romans, he uses the word agape. And agape is simply this, an unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstance. It goes beyond the emotions to the ascent of seeking the best for others. You see, here's what God wants us to have. He doesn't want us to have judgment. He doesn't want us to have critical thinking. He doesn't want us to look at them and try to convict them. He wants us to love them. He wants us to love them and not just love them, but love them unconditionally. Come on, anybody ever been around conditional love before? Like it's the worst thing ever. I had a girlfriend once when I was younger and, and she was mean to me. Like she treated me like dirt. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Am I really that hideous? Is there something wrong? I'm like, do, am I the hunchback in Notre Dame while walking around like this? Like which I worked with her and she used to say snipey comments to me at work. She used to brush me off. She used to talk about me to people. Like it was horrible. I did not enjoy it. But here was the thing. When it came time for the end of our shift, and I went to go bring her home from work. Guess who was super sweet to me? Yeah, guess who said all kinds of nice things, like, you ready to go, sweetie? And you know what I realized? She's just using me for a ride home every single day. That's what's going on here. She was using me. Oh, I love you as long as you continue to let me get into the car and bring me home every single night. I'm gonna be sweet to you as long as you can, can take me to my house. You know what I did? I tapped out, I'm like, uh-uh, I'm out. I'm out of this, I don't wanna do conditional love. Who wants to do conditional love? Who wants somebody that'll love you? I'll love you if you do this thing. I'll love you when this happens in your life. I'll love you when you check all these boxes that I have for you. That's not unconditional love, that's conditional love. And nobody wants that. And here's the thing, that's not what Jesus has for us. And that's not what Jesus wants us to do for others. Jesus says, I want you to have unconditional love for one another. He doesn't want us to be selfish. He doesn't want us to say, I'm only gonna love you if, he says, I want you to love people. And I know it's hard for us, but that's what we want. We don't want people to love us only conditionally. We don't want people to love us only when we do what they agree with or when we do what they think they should. John 15, 12 says this, love one another as I have loved you. We've gotta love bigger than that if we want people to see Jesus. We've gotta love more than the world loves if I want people to see Jesus in my life. That's what we have to do, we have to talk about that. We have to talk about how we can love even when we don't agree with them. We have to talk about we can love even when they're doing something that we don't think they should be doing. We still gotta love them. We gotta love all people, we do talk about that. You know, the next thing we talk about is, we do, God wants us to talk about the importance of accepting our differences. I have a question for everybody. How, how do you respond to people that are different from you? Like, how do you respond to them? Like, I'm talking about people that are different in their race, people that are different in their politics, 
people that are different in their beliefs, people that are different in their opinions, how do you respond to them? Because here's, here's something I want you to realize. Y'all do know when we get to heaven, there's gonna be Democrats and Republicans in heaven, right? Like you do know when we get to heaven, there's gonna be Libertarians and Green Party in heaven, right? When we get up there, there's gonna be Baptists, there's gonna be Catholics, there's gonna be Methodists. There are people that disagree with us. They have differences. That doesn't mean God loves them any less than we do. That doesn't mean he loves them any less than us. You see, whenever we ever go out there and really start looking at people and really start talking with them and we put aside differences, we can make impact in people's lives. When I was uh, an intern here at HOF, one of, uh, one, of our one of our students, one of my fellow interns, he had a friend from high school who was going through a really rough time and he had nowhere to stay. He had actually just been kicked out of his house. And he called and asked us, can I come stay at this intern house for just a couple of days till I get on my feet? Well, our intern director at the time, he, he said, sure, we'll let you come stay. You can stay on the couch at the intern house. It'll be fine. Those guys, you know, they'll, they'll be nice to you. They'll love on you. He came to the house and here was the thing that nobody knew. Nobody knew that the man struggled with his identity and he was a transgender. So he comes in and he sits down on the couch and I walk in and meet the guy and honestly at first I thought he was a girl. So I'm talking with him and I'm going back and forth with him, I'm just like cool, said hey, you know, gave him my name and I kind of went to my room. Got up the next day, he saw me reading my Bible, I went and took a shower and he just was walking around the house, I was singing, I was just doing my thing. And he stopped me, he had seen me now for like a day or two and, and he just stops me. I said hey to him and he says hey man, can I ask you something? Why are you so happy? Why, why do you have like this joy about you? Every time I see you, you got a smile on, you look like you don't have a care in the world. Where does that come from? So I started talking with him and I said, hey man, I just, you know, I just live my life every day with, with a joy. I, I know who Jesus is and what he's done for me and, and I can find happiness in that even when I don't want to. I can have joy even when I'm going through tough times. And, and he goes, man, I've never experienced that. I've never had that in my life. And he proceeded to start telling me all the things about his life, how people were mean to him from when he was a very young age, how people were critical about him from when he was a very young age, how he went through abuse after abuse in his home and with his friends. And he just started telling me about his life. He started telling me about all the things that he went through. And then I told him about mine. I said, well, man, I, I've had a rough life. I told him about what's happened to me. And I said, but even though I went through all that, when I found Jesus a few years ago, I realized the joy that he brought. And he asked me, he said, dude, can you tell me more about who this Jesus is? Can you tell me more about who that person that could help you out, can he help me out? And I started sharing Jesus with him. And an hour later, we were praying on the couch for him to receive Christ. Come on. If I would have looked at him and said, we're different, There's, we don't line up. I can guarantee you me and his opinions and beliefs did not line up. If I looked at him and said, I don't really want to talk to you, not really feeling this conversation, you know what I would have done? I would have missed out on an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. I would have missed out on a chance to talk with him and listen to him and hear his story and hear what happened in his life and then get to share about how Jesus could transform him. We both had a God moment that day. He didn't know about mine, but I got to be there for his. God showed me that when we believe that God is bigger than our differences, when we believe that Jesus is bigger than the things that the world says need to separate us, that you can talk to anybody and you could share Jesus with anybody. 
Why? Because we're willing to put our differences aside. Romans 14.1 says, accept other believers who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them about what you think is right or wrong. I love that first word, accept. Come on, we gotta accept people. We gotta be willing to accept people, especially when we disagree with them. Next verse says this in Romans 14.4, who are you to judge the servants of another? Come on, not only do we accept them, who are we to judge them? The Bible says God is the judge, not us. The Bible says that he's the beginning and the end, not us. God has the view of everything and he knows everything. Who are we to say, God, I know more than you, I'm gonna judge them even though you told me not to. We need to accept them and he would be willing to not judge them. We can be willing to disagree with people and still get along with them. We can be willing to have differences with people and still love them. Here's the thing, whenever we accept everyone, we value people's story even when it's not our story. Everybody's got a different story than me. We need to value their story even when it's not mine. We need to empathize with their struggles even when it's not my struggles. Come on, that was one of the hardest things for me. I never struggled with the things that that young man struggled with in my, at the intern house. But you know what I tried to do? I tried to empathize with him. There's gonna be people that come and talk to you and they have struggles in their life and you might be as far from those struggles as possible. They might be struggling with addiction to drugs and you've never even seen a drug in your life. It doesn't mean we can't empathize with them. We can't listen to them. Let them tell us their story. We need to take the time to let them, let us hear their heart. Because sometimes people just wanna be heard. Sometimes people need to be heard. Even when what's in their heart is different from what's in yours. When we love people beyond our differences, we can share Jesus with them. Don't miss an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody just because they're different than you. Don't miss that opportunity. First Peter 3, 8 says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Come on, when we accept our differences, we show sympathy, we love, we show compassion. We're willing to look past what we have that's different. We're willing to look past how the world says we're supposed to treat each other and say, how would Jesus treat you? Because that's how I wanna treat you. You know, the next thing, God wants us to talk about all those things. And the reason he wants us to talk about all those things is because he wants us to know that all those things are what point people to Jesus. God wants us to know that all those things are what point people to Jesus. What we think points people to Jesus is often not what actually points people to him. Contrary to popular belief, people don't get pointed to Jesus when we tell them you're going to hell. People don't get pointed to Jesus when we say your life is messed up and there's no hope for you. That's not what, that's not what points people to Jesus. And you might say, no, nobody says that. I promise you, people say it. People come into my office all the time talking about things that people have said to them in church. You see, when we love people, regardless of their circumstance, when we love people unconditionally, we can lo- let people know who Jesus is. Romans 14, 17 through 19 says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of being and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on, I love that. Righteousness, peace, and joy. You've been, have you been righteous around people? Have you been peaceful around people? Have you brought joy to anybody lately? Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Here's the next part. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Come on, have you made peace lately with people? Have you gone out and shared regardless of our differences? You know what I realized? I will never be able to share Jesus with people that I'm trying to judge. 
I will never be able to share Jesus with people if I don't live with joy. I'll never be able to share Jesus with people if I'm always trying to make war and not make peace. If I'm always looking for a fight, no one's gonna listen to me when it comes to Jesus. No one's gonna know who he is because they look at me and say, I don't even wanna know who he is. Look at this guy, he's crazy. That dude's a 6'5 giant and all he ever does is fuss at people. People aren't gonna listen, why? Because I don't have joy in my life. I don't have peace in my life. I'm not living with righteousness. It's easy to run the challenging people out of our life. It's harder to accept them. It's easy for us to distance ourselves from people that are different than us. It's harder to get close to them and be willing to listen to them. It's easy for us to to just turn them away, but it's harder to love them. It's harder to accept them. It's harder to be like Jesus to them. You know, I know this, you know, the, the, the world does tell you there's things you shouldn't talk about, but I love how God knew what was gonna happen 2,000 years later. And he puts in his word, these are the things you should talk about. He talks about how we should honor authority, even when we don't agree to, with it. Because when we honor authority we don't agree with, we can show that Jesus is bigger than anything on this earth. He says that we should love people unconditionally because the world says, I'll only love you if you agree with my tribe. But God says, I love you so much, I want you to be a part of my tribe. The Bible says, we're gonna love you regardless of our differences because the world says, you're different, so you need to go over there and I need to go over here. But God says, no, no, we're different, but we can still worship Jesus. We can still know who Christ is. And when we do all these things, we lead people to Jesus. We lead people to the ultimate gift that God gave all of us. We lead people to the wonderful love that Jesus has for us. I wanna invite you this morning to bow your heads with me. This morning, God, I pray that you help us to honor authority in our lives. God, I pray that you put the word that authority comes from you in our hearts. I pray that you help us to see things from your perspective, God. I pray that you help everybody in here to love unconditionally in our lives. God, I pray that you help us to see past differences and to see people like you see them. To see people as the wonderfully made children of God. God, remind us that everyone around us, those are your sons and those are your daughters. God, I pray for opportunities to point people to Jesus with our words, with our actions, and with our lives. I pray that everyone in here would live with a joy and a peace and a righteousness. God, so that they can reach others. Come on, right now, wherever you are, I I wanna make sure that every day we give you a chance to accept that amazing love that Jesus has for you, that amazing love that we've been talking about all service. You know, I talked about Jesus, I talked about what he's done for me. Let me know, I'm gonna let you know what he's done for you. Jesus died on a cross for all of our sins. He rose again from that cross, conquering death and said, I'm doing this because I love you and I want a relationship with you. So come on, right now, wherever you are, if you want Jesus to come into your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it from the heart, pray this. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. God, I lift you up. Come into my heart. Be my everything. You died and rose again, and I confess you as my Savior. Give me a new beginning. Give me a fresh start. I'm more than a conqueror because of what you've done inside of me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. God bless y'all, y'all have a great day.